MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Today, Kevin McCarthy loses three more House Speaker elections. Ukraine offers Russian soldiers a hotline to surrender. The FBI has raised the reward for information leading to the arrest of the January 6th pipe bomber to half a million dollars. And Fanon visits the Speaker's office. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy uh, Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. I really like this uh, raising the um, half a million dollars, by the way, the arrest for the 1-6 pipe bomber. I sure hope that helps. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting when we get into the uh, news part of it there in the hot notes. uh, Some interesting updates from the FBI on that investigation because they've been real quiet about it other than, you know, trying to get people to help them find out who the pipe bomber was. So we'll get into that in the hot notes. Also, later in the show, I'm going to be talking to the newly minted Arizona Secretary of State, our friend, the Honorable Adrian Fontes. Love it. And we're going to talk about what he's going to do to stop the MAGA fascists from uh, trying to royal the elections and, you know, just be general assholes. It's going to be a great discussion. I look forward to that. (laughs) I'm not sure anyone can stop the MAGA fascists from being general (laughs) assholes, but good luck. Just, you know, legally, uh, you know, speaking, (laughs) Not, not, not generally. But um, yeah, I'm so glad uh, he won that election. We flipped Arizona blue, a very important election. And I think that uh, everyone in Arizona and Arizonans can see, you know, the shenanigans that were going on. So I'll talk to him about that. It's going to be a great show. We do have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Dana, Dana, Dana. (laughs) Oh, boy. What a clown car of a shit show. Yeah. And we're in between adjournments right now because basically they they had three more votes. We'll talk about this in a second. And uh, then they adjourned and they're going to reconvene at 8 p.m. tonight, which is in about a half an hour. So we couldn't really postpone recording this show, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But the House, they did adjourn and we will see. He lost. Kevin lost his sixth bid to become House Speaker. We've had six ballots now and he's lost them all. The situation, which has dragged on since Tuesday, has left Congress paralyzed since no member of the House of Representatives can be sworn in and no rules can be adopted until they choose a speaker. The House remains stuck after McCarthy was nominated several times for the top job in that chamber. He appears to have failed again to secure that job. On Tuesday, he was denied the 218 votes he needed by a cadre of Republican hardliners in three separate ballots. It was the first time in a century, as we've said, that a speaker was not elected on the first round. By the way, Nancy Pelosi, nine speakerships, every single one won on the first ballot. (laughs) Absolutely. A group of 20 conservatives is determined to oppose McCarthy. And the endgame remains unclear. And interestingly, though, they did have a little meeting after they adjourned earlier after the sixth failed vote. And there was a rumor going around the Hill that they were going to concede like Boebert and Gates and those 20, you know, hardliners, the Freedom Caucus or whatever, pew, pew, were going to concede to McCarthy because he was promising 
outrageous shit, like a like a one member could vote to oust him at any time provision, a vacate provision. Uh, he was promising Lauren Boebert the gavel to the fucking intelligence committee, you know. Good Lord. So they all met. And then when Boebert and Gates emerged, you know, what we thought they might figure out a way to, you know, give the gavel to McCarthy. She's like, nope, it's going to get worse for him. Uh, so no, that rumor was quickly dispelled. We'll see what happens tonight. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's beans. You know, I saw a tweet and this is just speculation. Um, and, uh, the tweet was basically talking about how Republicans are like in disarray in their fuck ups, but they're also not this bad normally. And so she's wondering if there's some criming going on right now that they're trying to distract from and that they're going to work this shit out. So we'll see. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting thought. Yeah, interesting thought. All right. Well, federal investigators, they've increased this reward for information leading to the arrest of the person who left those two pipe bombs near the Capitol the day before January 6th. This was raised by fivefold to $500,000, the FBI said Wednesday. Well, the announcement made ahead of the two-year anniversary of the attack, which is just out crazy that that's coming up, indicates that federal investigators are still stumped when it comes to the identity of the person who left those devices outside Republican National Committee and the Democratic National Committee headquarters on Capitol Hill. In a news release, the Bureau noted that, quote, many of the components used to build the pipe bombs were widely available for purchase in stores and online, and that's including one-eighth inch threaded galvanized pipes, end caps, kitchen timers, wires, metal clips, and homemade black powder. And this is a quote, in raising the reward for information about the pipe bomb suspect from $100,000 to as much as $500,000, the FBI and her partners are seeking to encourage the American public to take a fresh look at our Seeking Information website, which includes images and video of the suspect, the suspect's backpack, the suspect's shoes, the explosive devices, and a map of the route the suspect walked the night of pipe bombs were placed. And this is from the Bureau. David Sunberg, the assistant director in charge of the FBI's Washington field office, said that, quote, a dedicated team of FBI agents, analysts, and law enforcement partners have been tirelessly reviewing evidence and digital media related to this case for nearly two years. Well, not to say, although these pipe bombs, although these bombs did not detonate, it is important to remember the suspect walked along residential and commercial areas in Capitol Hill just blocks from the U.S. Capitol with viable pipe bombs that could have seriously injured or killed innocent bystanders. And that's from the FBI's news release. Went on to say, moreover, the suspect may still pose a danger to the public or themselves. Yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, I would say. <sighs> who is it? Yeah, I mean, this just shows they really don't have a lock on who this person is. Um It shouldn't take two years to find them, but here we are. I'm wondering about some of those, like, you know, GPS tracking people's phones, that sort of, they used a lot of that geolocation fencing when they scooped up everybody in in the riot, the actual riot at the Capitol, or the insurrection, I should say, but that they couldn't get a lock on this person. Maybe they didn't have a phone on them. Maybe they knew, you know, I don't know. I don't understand. All right. My friend, former Metropolitan Police Department, Mike Fanone showed up at the Capitol today on Wednesday to watch the absolute clusterfuck unfolding among Republicans over McCarthy's flailing bid to become House Speaker. This is uh, the Daily Beast writing. After three separate votes failed today and three the day before to secure him the speakership Tuesday, another vote was scheduled for Wednesday afternoon and McCarthy was accused by his GOP foes of squatting in the Speaker's office. That's oh boy. A, a letter to the uh, architect, to the Capitol architect from Matt Gates, saying he's squatting. He shouldn't be in there. He's the Speaker because he moved his shit into the Speaker's office. And with McCarthy holed up inside the office 
Fanon, who previously called McCarthy a fucking weasel bitch for continuing to support Donald Trump after the <laughs> Capitol riot. <laughs> so I love my, my Fanon. I love him so much. He suddenly showed up outside the hallway. What are you doing here? He said, I heard he was having some trouble. This is according to the Washington Times reporter who tweeted about the surprise guest. I thought I'd rub it in. ABC's Gabe Ferris tweeted, Fanon pointed out to the wall outside the door where the speaker's name would normally be saying, yeah, just here to rub it in. And maybe the fourth time is the charm, he said, This because this was after the third vote. Fanon has been outspoken in criticizing GOP leaders for downplaying the deadly insurrection, having testified, as we know, before the January 6th committee about how he was grabbed, beaten, tased, and called a traitor while protecting lawmakers that day. Thank you so much, A.G. And this story is a little outstanding to me, but Mm. more than a million Russians, a million Russians have called, texted, or visited the website of a Ukrainian hotline that allows them to surrender, with many seeking a way to avoid going to war since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine began. That's according to that hotline. Now, the hotline, which is run by the, quote, I Want to Live project, has received about 200 to 300 daily calls since September said uh, Vitaly Matvienko, the project's spokesperson. Instead of calling, some Russians choose to send encrypted messages via Telegram. Now, although more than 4,000 people have submitted requests to surrender, to surrender, this is a quote, we saw that there are many Russians who do not want to fight, Matvienko said. Their number skyrocketed after Putin announced mobilization in Russia, while Ukrainian armed forces liberated vast territories in the Kharkiv region in a fulminant counteroffensive. What's interesting is Matt Vienko, uh, he has a face that's well known to many Russians. He acted in a few Russian TV series before the war started, and that's why he was offered the role of a spokesperson of the I Want to Live project. Ukrainian officials said Russians who are considering crossing the front line might want to see someone familiar that they can trust on the other side. Well, the hotline's now functioning in a secure secret facility, which many officials and military staffers aren't allowed to enter. The operators use only computers, headphones, and special software to accept and record the calls. This is a quote. Many of those who called are scared. They want to know whether this project is real and how it's possible for a Russian soldier to escape from the army. Wow. There were some prank calls, of course. Most were real, said Oksana, one of the employees receiving calls on the hotline, whose name has been changed for security reasons. The Russians who follow the surrender rules are legally considered prisoners of war. Ukrainian authorities have said that status guarantees they are treated according to the Geneva Conventions, and they can receive necessary medical treatment and food. They can also call their relatives. Mm. Now, leaders of the project said they expect to continue to expand this with plans for a separate program in Ukraine and abroad for members of Russia's officer corps who are seeking surrender. This is outstanding. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking early on, in Putin's war, um, that the Ukraine, the Ukrainians should offer them asylum, defect. Yeah. Give you citizenship. Get the fuck out of Russia, you know? And um, we know that uh, we know that those in Ukraine will follow the Geneva guidelines as well and and treat everybody uh, exceptionally. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's a very different. It's a very different kind of the way that the, the the Ukrainians are treating captured Russian soldiers very different from the way Russians are treating captured. A hundred percent. So um, very interesting. I'm, I'm going to keep a close eye on this story because I, I, I love where this is going. Uh, I also love that they're going to, you know, expand it to include some of these flag officers who like want to get the fuck out, you know? So 
we'll we'll see how that goes. But thank you for that story. Um, very incredible reporting too from NBC News, by the way. Absolutely. All right. We're going to be right back with the brand new Secretary of State, the Honorable Adrian Fontes. He's been on our show before, but at that time he was the Maricopa County recorder. And uh, now he is Secretary of State. We'll be right back with that interview. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone, it's AG, and I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day, if I can quote Parks and Rec. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to boost my energy and my immune system. I take AG1 every morning before I make my coffee, before I go to the gym. It makes me feel unstoppable. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. They're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D plus five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. It seems like I have tried literally hundreds of different supplements out there. I had a cabinet full. It was costing me a fortune. It was taking up a ton of space. But this is different, and the ingredients are top shelf. I first learned about AG1 from a good friend of mine who took it every day, said it was the easiest habit she ever picked up, and it makes it so easy to take the highest quality supplements. It's only one scoop of powder. It's delicious, mixed with water once a day. I noticed right away it adds a little boost to my energy, and I even started sleeping better. If I had to pick only one thing to do to take care of my health, I would choose AG1 by Athletic Greens every time. And AG1 by Athletic Greens is a great value, too. It replaces all of those daily supplements, taking up all that cabinet space just with one delicious scoop. It's an easy, quick, seamless daily habit, saving me time and money every day. You have to try it. So if you're looking for a simpler, more cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Check it out. Everybody, welcome back. There is a new piece in The Guardian, and it's entitled How Adrian Fontes Plans to Protect Arizona's Elections from MAGA Fascists, quote, unquote. And joining me today, the newly minted Honorable Secretary of State of Arizona, Adrian Fontes. Adrian, how are you? I'm great. What's cooking? Oh, it's so good to speak to you again, my friend. Congratulations on the win, a hard-fought election in Arizona, where we now, I believe, have the, uh, well a really wonderful representative leadership there in, in my, in my old home state. So I appreciate you and all your work. And I, I'm glad that you are where you're at today. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a heck of a battle, uh, getting here. And, uh, for the first time in 48 years, uh, the top three executive offices are not only held by Democrats, but for the first time since statehood, all three offices, the governor, the secretary, and the attorney general are held by Arizona natives. So um, we're very proud. Uh, it's a very proud time in Arizona. Yeah. And I imagine you're going to get a lot of really great work done. And I wanted to start with this piece and some of the things that you had to say about now that the rubber is going to meet the road, how do you protect Arizona's elections? Because you actually have a really great history yourself. You have experience running clean elections and secure elections in that state. And going forward, how are you going to continue to protect those elections from the MAGAs? Yeah, well, um, you know, just as a matter of quick background, when I was the Maricopa County recorder between 2016 and, and through the 2020 election season here, we completely revamped the election system. Then Maricopa County is the second largest voting jurisdiction in the United States of America. A lot of people don't know that. Second only to Los Angeles County. So it's about two thirds of Arizona's voters. And so now we get to, um, at the regulatory level from the Secretary of State's office, do the things that you're asking about, right? Make sure that we've got 
procedures in place through the procedures manual that are easy to understand, not just for the folks administering elections, but for the public, making sure that we are secure in our network connectivity, which is, of course, statewide as it must be, and, and then making sure that we've got a good, solid set of training and resources for those folks out there in the counties who actually run Arizona's elections. The secretary is a chief regulator and chief election officer, but the folks in the counties do all the hard work. So we're really uh, hoping to be able to help them out and uh, hopefully convince the legislature that they need more resources. Yeah. And and it really also feels like Arizonans are done with the shenanigans and not just the voters themselves, but the courts. We've seen several frivolous lawsuits that have, in some cases, been hit with Rule 11 sanctions and in other cases been forced to pay attorney's fees. And it just really feels like like the electorate and the whole infrastructure is is done with this election denial you know, falsehoods about election fraud. And I think that's going to carry all a long way. Yeah, well, you know, you can only you can only pitch this nonsensical stories for so long until people get fed up. And I think that's really what happened. You know, we uh, let's not forget. So so I am a Democrat. Thirty point two percent of Arizona's voters are Democrats. I won by with a fifty three percent. Right. So that means a heck of a lot more than just Democrats voted for me. A lot of Republicans and a lot of independents. And my opponent was one of those MAGA fascists. He's one of those guys who just does not believe in free and fair elections. And and yeah, so the electorate absolutely agreed, you know, and the characterization I think you're making about the courts can be construed as such. Uh, but none of their lawsuits had any merit in the first. So we're really in a place right now where folks are ready to move forward. Uh, they're ready to look at data. They're ready to look at reality. They're ready to uh, listen to election administrators, I hope, uh, and, and, and find out what more they need to continue to bolster what is already a very good election system here in Arizona. Yeah, one of the best. And and honestly, I, I think that uh, a lot of the social media from the Maricopa County elections officials as, as this was as the votes were being tallied, I think really helped. There was you know, fair, but strong pushback from from a lot of these accounts. And, and and I think that that went a very long way. It was really good to see, you know, instead of being back on our heels all the time and responding to the MAGA fascists, as you put it, to be more out front and more proactive about how amazingly run these elections are, especially in Maricopa County, but also statewide. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the words MAGA fascists here in the article in The Guardian. You explain why you use the word MAGA fascists. You say these people are not grand old party Republicans. They're MAGA fascists. There's no reason for me to call them by anything other than what they are. If they feel a little sensitive about that, then maybe they ought to reconsider their positions vis-a-vis American democracy and stop acting like fascists. Why is it so important to call these things out for what they are? Well, because the truth matters. That's why it's important. And it is absolutely true as we're, you know, uh, taping this here. We're seeing the battles in Congress for the House Speaker. Uh, we're seeing some significant splits in the Republican Party here in Arizona. And, and that's clearly illustrated by my election. Right? We had a lot of the GOP Republicans, the grand old party types uh, who came over and said, we want stability. We want predictability. We want a partner we can just sit down and talk to even if we don't agree on every single thing. Uh, And that is the candidate that I presented, as opposed to 
Yeah, you know, the alternative, which is unpredictability, loyalty to only one person, not to the rule of law, not to the Constitution. Uh, and that, at the end of the day, that is fascism. And so here's, here's the critical component, like you mentioned. If these folks are upset that I am calling them what they are, then they need to figure out a different way of doing things, right? If, if you're upset that you're, what somebody's telling you, your policies hurt families, then pick better policies. If, if, if you're upset that, you know, banning books is seen as authoritarian and anti-American, then stop banning books, right? And, and from the political center and the political left, here's the criticism I have. Just call them what they are. Just say the truth and say it assertively because it is true. And stop worrying about their feelings because they don't care about yours, right? If yeah. anything... Marine Corps, it's that, you know, your, your feelings don't matter. And if there's anything I learned in my first round in political office, it's, you know, eat your feelings and cry in the shower. Uh, you got a job to do, get out there and do it. And when it comes to these sorts of, uh, when it comes to these sorts of conversations, we have to be direct. We have to be assertive because we're protecting and defending the constitution of the United States of America. And that we can never lose focus on. A hundred percent. And and before I let you go recently, in the last couple of days, Donald Trump is back on True Social attacking election workers like Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Uh, how are you and the uh, attorney general, new attorney general and uh, Governor Katie Hobbs? What are you going to do to uh, help protect election workers? Because you mentioned how important they are to the election infrastructure in this article. And, and I'd like to know some of the concrete steps you all plan on taking to ensure that these folks are safe. Well, conceptually, I think we all uh, both. Well, all three of us. The, the governor, our new attorney general, Chris Mays, and myself, we all agree that we've got to protect these folks. I think, and I can't speak for them, but I think they would agree that, you know, guys hanging around ballot drop boxes with long rifles and camouflage, that's terrorism. That is domestic terrorism because it fits the definition perfectly. And so we've got to increase the penalties against those kinds of things and really make it matter. And we have to prosecute folks uh, who would intimidate or threaten their fellow citizens for a political end. That's just not how America is supposed to work. Look, the bottom line is this. I think we all, in principle, believe in the same ideals, and we have the same values vis-a-vis -vis protecting election workers and the folks who actually uh, make our democracy work. The concrete plans are developing slowly, but surely, don't forget, Chris just came out of uh, a recount that left some uncertainty. Her transition, as I understand, has not been uh, as smooth as possible because of her predecessor's unwillingness to cooperate. And the governor's got a big, big, big job ahead of her. She's got 85 or 95 department heads, uh, an entire executive branch that has been dominated by the other party for decades, or at least a decade and a half. Uh, and so as far as moving into office, I think I've had the easiest out of the three of us since I took over for, uh, for Governor Hobbs here at the secretary's office. But we're going to be getting together soon. And uh, hopefully we can find some willing partners in the legislature to, to make things happen, uh, to strengthen those penalties against uh, those kinds of domestic terrorism that, that, that are so um, deplorable. And I'm happy to use that word. I'm happy that you use it as well. I appreciate your time today. I look forward to see what y'all do with, with my home state. And uh, we'll be keeping tabs. And uh, I, I would like to welcome you back. 
a little bit later in the year to see how things are are going because I, I'm I'm very excited to see what's to come for Arizonans, what they've you know, what they've done with with their hard fought elections. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, for your listeners, just understand Arizona has not only uh, got free and fair elections, we are also open for business. And uh, we're super excited about folks like you who've come from here. Uh, one of these days, maybe we'll get you back. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've been toying with the idea of running in six against Gosar, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, we're always good. We're always good to watch a good fight here in the Grand Canyon. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Secretary of State, the Honorable Adrian Fontes. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hi, I'm Francis Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you have a shout out you want to give to somebody, uh, Santa letters, shit kids say, frog orgies, baby pictures, whatever you want to send to us, please do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right, Dana, first up from Dan. Oh, Dana. I know. Dan, thank you in advance. <sighs> from Dan. Pronouns he and him. Hello. I'm so glad I found the pod. I'm happy to have it as part of my morning routine. Just emailing to pay the toe beans good news baby tax. Wife and I welcomed our third in September and thought y'all would love to see this baby's baby New Year shoot. Enjoy. Look at the baby feet. The crown. You, the, I know. How can you not? I mean, I know <gasps> some people don't like kids, but you can't not like babies. They're perfect. Look at the laughing in the last photo. I know. Oh my God. Congratulations, okay. Dan, on this perfect child. Ugh, the blue eyes. I can't. Okay. I, know. I love it. <laughs> okay. This is from Robin, pronoun she and her. Urgent flip it blue request. Virginia House of Delegates, District 24, is vacant after the death of Ronnie Campbell, who's a Republican, and it's up for special election on January 10th, early voting through January 7th. Campbell's widow is running as a Republican to fill his seat, and Jade Harris is running as a Democrat, challenging her for the seat. If possible, could you speak with Jade Harris before the election and help spread the word about the election to get out more votes? Virginia also has another special election for federal House District in February, uh, where the Democratic incumbent, after winning re-election, passed away from cancer. Reminder to listeners in that district to be sure to get out to vote to keep that district blue. For pet tax, I'm including pics of my dad's toy poodle, Honey, demanding a tummy rub. Oh. Hi, honey. Thank you for all that information and the adorable pup. I will reach out to Jade Harris's campaign. I, I don't know. There's not a lot of time between now and then, but I'll see what I can do, Robin. And thank you for that. And this dog, oh my God, doing a lewd. So cute. Oh, no. 
All right, from Diane, no pronouns given. Hello, ladies, and happy new year. I have some important public health advice to share. Since we're in the thick of things for flu season, some people will be opting for telehealth appointments to avoid exposure to the flu, COVID, strep, RSV, plague, and miscellaneous other cooties flying through doctor's offices this time of year. As a primary care PA, I have some suggestions and etiquette I'd like to remind and recommend to all patients opting to go on video for appointments. All right. Number one, we need three vital signs from you. It can be weight, height, blood pressure, heart rate, whatever. Please do not include penis length as a vital sign. We do not care and we are not impressed. Oh no, that means that's happened. Number two, it is not a fashion show. We don't care what you look like or wear, but please do wear clothes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Diane. Number three, please inform members of your household you will be having a video appointment and or go to a room where you are going to have privacy as to avoid us seeing your loved ones walking past in the background with little to no clothes. Okay, I, I'm, I'm sensing a theme. Number four, speaking of where to take your video appointment, here's a list of preferred locations to avoid the bathtub, the toilet, loud rooms, your sex room, or anywhere else you wouldn't show your mother. Yes, some but not all of these have happened to me. God, Diane. But seriously, please stay healthy and safe. Get the flu shots and COVID boosters as soon as possible. We can't promise you won't get sick, but they'll increase your chances of staying out of the hospital, and that's something. As tax, I have to share a treasured and hilarious Christmas ornament made by my daughter in the first grade. The students were told to make an ornament of their last initials, which is D for us. And yes, I know that makes me a double D. Haha. <laughs> I don't know about the D part, but she may have a career in gynecology. Oh my God. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I think the tack <laughs> drives oh my it home God. for me. <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> oh, the, the little young Georgia O'Keefe. It hurts a little to look at the tack. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> here we go this is from anonymous pronouns he him kitchen table fan from the uk here still writing high on dana complimenting my accent a year ago the patreon drinks trigger warning bereavement just a general comment on trigger warnings for those that may not need or understand them in the context of recent events while being an empathic guy i've not had much direct adversity in my life and never needed a trigger warning I've tried to respect others, but always felt indifferent. That was until my wonderful dad had a sudden and very unexpected heart attack in 2020. Luckily, I was there and performed CPR until the ambulance arrived where they took over for me. Another hour of work and he was able to be transported to the hospital, but sadly, the damage was too great and he passed away a couple of days later. I love and miss him greatly and replay the unpleasant episode over in my head daily. Since then... While I'm coping on the outside, I run cold whenever I see or hear of heart issues, even fictionalized, like that experienced by DeMar Hamlin. I sincerely hope he recovers very soon. I'm writing all this to say two things. One, if you don't already, you've been lucky enough not to need them. Please respect people's trigger warnings as to never know what people may be dealing with. It doesn't take much and can mean a great deal to others' care and good mental health. We can't trigger warning everything, but it's a perspective I've come to learn that is so important. Two, go learn the basics of CPR. While I didn't get the outcome I wish every day, I did. It can and does work, and good quality CPR is easy to learn, requires learning in advance. Go look up your local guidance as it changes, but take 15 minutes just to read, watch, and learn. Love to you both, and thank you for the work you do and the communities you have built. Sharing my bunny, Abraham Lincoln, for the pet tax. 
One, the bunny is beautiful. Two, anonymous, I think I know who you are and I'm just giving you a big hug and sending you love. I'm so sorry to hear about your father. Yeah, um, truly. Uh, and I, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand that. And, and respecting other people, other people's trigger warnings uh, is, is very important. So thank you for pointing that out and yeah. um, sending all the love to you. And I still love your accent. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for sending in your news, your good news, your stories, the things you want to share. And uh, we really, really appreciate it. And you can send anything into us at all. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. Dana, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today? No final thoughts uh, for today. I think you should sign us off. One day I'll actually have a good one again. But man, my brain feels like it's just trying to rev back up for the new year. Same, same. I'm still stuck somewhere between Christmas and New Year's. It's If you had asked me Monday, like gun to my head, what day is it? I'd have been like, I had a good run. Like I had no idea what, it, what Monday, I had no idea all day Monday because the New Year's was, New Year's Day was Sunday. I was completely lost on Monday. I had no idea what day it was. That happened to me as well. I, I, uh, it was Monday and somebody, some, no, it was actually Tuesday. See? And somebody said, you don't, don't know. you, somebody's like, don't you have a thing at one? And I'm like, that's Tuesday. And they're like, it is Tuesday. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And the, and the fact that we record on a different day than the show comes out also kind of messes me up a little bit. Totally it's, thought uh, it was Thursday right now as yep. we're speaking. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> I have Stephanie Miller in the morning. That's sometimes the only <laughs> way I know what day it is, is I have Stephanie Miller on Thursday mornings. <laughs> Oh, oh, well, man. we'll be back tomorrow, which is Friday. <laughs> See, this is fucking me up. I'm surprised we both haven't lost our minds. Wrap it up. <laughs> Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG, I think. <laughs> and I think that was the beans. <laughs> the Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.